Today's New Testament reading and focused passage is Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your affliction and your poverty, even though you are rich. I know the slander on the part of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Beware the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have affliction. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Whoever conquers will not be harmed by the second death. We started a series last week on the letters to the seven churches of Revelation. We cannot get into every detail of each of these letters. As you know, and as we heard last week, Revelation is a deep, rich book that a 20-minute sermon will simply not suffice for, quite frankly. And so that's why you're invited to join us on Wednesday nights as we dig a little deeper into the text, not just from today, but from other parts of Revelation. It's just as a quick reminder, this Wednesday is business meeting, and so we will not be discussing Revelation this Wednesday, but join us a week from Wednesday where we will jump back into a more in-depth study of this mysterious, complex, strange book. One of the things we'll have to do frequently is jump into the context of each of these cities and churches that we read of in Revelation. Because the culture and makeup of a city inevitably affects the mission of the church. Let's talk about our city momentarily. On one hand, there's the Black Mountain everyone knows, right? We are the town that rocks. Or as I like to say, we are the town that rocks. That's what I was laughing at myself for earlier. Valerie said, why are you laughing at yourself? And I was imagining saying that line in today's sermon. Of course, there are other things we have here. We have dozens of restaurants and breweries, local businesses. People drive up through Black Mountain and recognize Town Hardware, Take a Hike, Tyson Furniture, all the other local establishments, Black Mountain Center for the Arts, the museum. And of course, that's nothing to say of all the lakes and creeks and rivers and falls and mountains that give us our culture. And, and, talk, and, that, and that we can talk about who Black Mountain is through these qualities. <clears throat> and while these qualities of our city are in some way shapes and forms, they go into our mission, they have something to do with our city, it is the challenges present in this city and beyond in Buncombe County that call us into mission in the name of Jesus. And so behind every best place to travel that this city and town has won, Behind every best city for food and drink that this area has earned in magazines and on websites, there is a crisis that the church is called to address in the name of Jesus. There is the housing crisis, the lack of homes and especially affordable housing in the area. Having a job does not guarantee or ensure that you can afford a house or pay the rent in this area, as is the case through much of the country. We have a homeless population significant in this area. It includes a staggering number of children. We have a daycare crisis that many working families cannot find stable childcare, and perhaps, perhaps, 
we are making progress in that area with children and friends. There is the opioid addiction, there is hunger, and a host of other crises that the church is called to seek out in the name of Christ. And that need, I would grant you, is more about who we are and determines who we are than perhaps some of what we will read of in a travel magazine, wouldn't you say? Understanding our context, and especially the challenge the church faces and knowing our community, teaches us and shows us how we can serve this town and this area in the name of Christ. It's important for a church to understand its city and its setting. Smyrna, in many ways, is not too dissimilar from Black Mountain or Asheville. It was the town everybody wanted to move to. It was one of the chief cities of Rome and Asia Minor, called the Ornament of Asia, or the Flower of Asia, even. It was wealthy and important. It was, had a landlocked harbor, a strategic place for trade, a beautiful setting on the coast. Cicero called it one of Rome's most faithful and ancient allies. It was the quintessential Roman city outside of Rome itself, so much so that they erected a statue to the goddess Roma. It was the place to go, and yet it also faced significant challenge for the church. And chief among them was the pure existence of this minority Christian body that faced an empire that had no tolerance for new religions or sects coming on to the scene. The Jewish faith had been around for a while, had sort of a peace with the Roman Empire to exist and not raise too much of a stir. And then comes along this Christian faith that seeks to subvert the norms of the empire and worships a savior called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so in Smyrna, like in other cities of Asia Minor, the Christians faced problems of that day. Jesus says, I know your tribulations and your poverty, yet you are rich. Now they maybe wouldn't have said so. Because the emperor Domitian, who was in power at the time of the writing of this letter, was known for having confiscated property from Christians. Christians who refused to worship the empire and take part in this emperor worship. Not a taxation. I know many of you are out there saying, yeah, I know the IRS, IRS does that to me every year. No, this is seizing property, taking the most basic property and needs of the people there who proclaim the Christian faith. So everyone else is living out this heaven in Smyrna. It's like heaven on earth, a great Roman city, experiencing all the pleasures of culture, and yet this minority Christian community is having its most basic provisions stolen. Not only is it poverty, but it is tribulation. It may say tribulation in your Bible. It may say affliction. The Greek word calypsis means a crushing weight. Jesus says, I know your crushing weight. I know the crushing weight you feel. Last week, we heard the word toil as used for the city of Ephesus. This week, the word of the week is a crushing weight or tribulation. Living the gospel out in our cities can be crushing. 
talked about how last week we don't always like to view the Christian faith that way. We want it to be simple. We want it to be easy. We want the Christian faith to be anything but crushing or toil. And yet here in our second city of this series, we find the crushing weight of living out the gospel in the city. Now this letter does go into some detail of what that crushing weight entails, specifically about a slander that was leveled at them by the Jewish people of their city. Now it's important to take a pause at this point as we see a growing sense of anti-Semitism in our country to point out that this text is not talking about the Jewish people as a whole and is not, is not seeking to bring a negative word about the Jewish faith. There was a local Jewish body in close proximity with the early Christian church in Smyrna who was making life incredibly challenging for the church. So for now, we won't go into too much detail, but just know that when you hear this and later on when you hear it in the letter to Philadelphia, this is not a general sentiment against the Jewish people, and it would be important for us to keep that in mind today. And so let's go on to ask, what are we to do with this poverty? If we are to live a crushing poverty as a Christian people, what are we to do with that? Is there some kind of wealth we can grasp to? Because once again... A Christian life full of crushing tribulation and poverty and toil isn't so appealing to me. In the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us that that's because our worth and our wealth is not found in what Smyrna considered wealth and power. Paul tells us that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And that is where our wealth lies. That's a message we can bring to our town here at First Baptist Church in both our words and action that we can enjoy the blessings of this city, the restaurants and the breweries, well, mostly the restaurants, but also the breweries and also the stores and all the local things our town has to offer. And yet we can still be poor if we do not have the love of Christ. The wealth of our church and city will be found in the blessing of new creation that we believe is bursting forth in our community because of the power of Jesus that we have been called to live out. What will that look like for First Baptist Church? It would be nice if the letter ended there, but it goes on to say, do not fear what you are about to suffer. It doesn't say watch out, suffering may be on the way. It says, do not fear what you will suffer. You will suffer this affliction for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death. Notice Jesus doesn't say that suffering is a possibility. Jesus says our suffering is inevitable. And I ask myself, as a Christian living in the year 2020 in the United States of America, where does my suffering come in? When I came here to First Baptist Church of Black Mountain and people heard that, they said, oh boy, Jeremy, you're going to suffer for the Lord, aren't you? In that beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. You're going to suffer for the Lord in Asheville and 
in Black Mountain. That's a lot of suffering right there. And it's true. I sometimes ask myself, I've got it pretty good. Where's my suffering going to come from? In the book, Where is God When It Hurts, Philip Yancey says in the Old Testament, faithful believers seemed shocked when suffering came their way. They expected God to reward their faithfulness with prosperity and comfort. But the New Testament shows a remarkable change. As Peter advised suffering Christians, this suffering is all part of the work God has given you. Christ who suffered for you is your example. Follow in his steps. And so I'm reminded that suffering may not find me. Maybe I need to go find the suffering. Harry Bohr, a chaplain during World War II, spent the final days of that war among Marines in the Pacific Theater. The Second Division saw much action with great losses, he writes. Yet I never met an enlisted person or an officer who doubted for a moment the outcome of the war. Nor did I ever meet a Marine who asked why, if victory was so sure, we couldn't have it immediately. It was just a question of slogging through until the enemy gave up. Yancey goes on to say that according to Paul at the cross, Christ triumphed over the cosmic powers, defeating them not with power but with self-giving love. The cross of Christ may have assured the final outcome, but battles remain for us to fight. Significantly, Paul prayed to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Sharing in sufferings. Yeah, we're going to suffer for the Lord here in Black Mountain because we're going to find the suffering. We need to share in that suffering. We may have it pretty good here, but when we think about the housing crisis and the lack of homes and the suffering that goes on there, guess who needs to go share in that suffering? It's us. Or the homeless population, who needs to share in that suffering? It's us. The daycare crisis, the opioid addiction crisis, the hunger crisis, the host of other crises, the suffering that is occurring in our cities, if we aren't experiencing it, guess what? We go share in it. I almost become self-conscious reading the works of Revelation, though I find it incredibly fascinating. I almost feel self-conscious reading a book of those who went through so much. Christians who were not able to live out their faith publicly, who had their personal property stolen. And here I am living in Black Mountain. I know where my next meal is coming from. I know I can obtain health care. I have a roof over my head on nights like, like last night. And so I wonder, where do I go from here? It is to share in the suffering of those who are feeling it the most. First Baptist Church, you have taken on that role time and time again. And as we enter this new year, it is time to explore once more, how will we seek to share in the suffering of our neighbors? Yancey concludes, we will never know in this life the full significance of our actions here, for much takes place invisible to us. 
when a pastor in an oppressive country goes to prison for his peaceful protest, when a social worker moves into an urban ghetto, when a couple refuses to give up on a difficult marriage, when a parent waits with undying hope and forgiveness for the return of an estranged child, when a young professional resists mounting temptations towards wealth and success. In all these sufferings, large and small, there is the assurance of a deeper level of meaning, of a sharing in Christ's own redemptive victory. In the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, and especially in the book of Revelation, we cannot separate the reality of suffering from victory. And that does not mean that I am wishing suffering on any one of you or the people in our city. But we can rest assured that when we suffer, we are sharing in the suffering of Christ. And Christ promises us in the book of Revelation that if we hold true, there will be victory. There is always a word of hope and a word of promise at the end of each letter. There may be laid out difficult days ahead. There may be 10 days of suffering. There may be 10,000 days of suffering. But there is victory ahead if we maintain the course. That will be the grinding message throughout this series. But in the meantime, may we share in Christ's suffering with one another and with those who are suffering most in our community. Let's pray together.